Before we start today's episode, there's something important for agencies seeking a reliable way to attract new business, especially during busy periods. I want to introduce you to Leaflow Sprint. It's an eight-week program that simplifies your marketing and consistently attracts the attention of potential clients without requiring a massive marketing budget or external sales teams. With my 17 years of experience in aiding agencies to gain visibility in new clients, this program offers a practical and effective approach to lead generation. Forget about unpredictable leads and embrace a method that works across different agency sizes. And if you're keen to learn more, you need to visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra. Now let's get into today's episode. You're listening to Caffeine Espresso, a podcast series that delves into the way we grow design businesses. I'm Charlotte Ellis-Maldari, founder at Caffeine, a new business and marketing company for Agency World. And every other week, I'll be interviewing a guest, taking your questions, or delving deep into a topic that clients struggle with, and generally try to make growing your agency feel more achievable and less like a job that keeps getting pushed off the to-do list. It's an excuse for me to pick the brains of some of the people I most admire and address topics that pique my interest, like how not to feel yucky in the sales role, what do clients want from their new agency, and how not to spend half your studio resources each month on new business. This is a podcast that combines the little things and the big things, because as you know, managing an agency is made up of both. Today I'm speaking to Holly Griffin, founder of Design Hungry. At just 30 years old, Holly has made the shift from junior designer to founder-owner of a privately owned design collective, drawing in revenues of six figures annually. She's a force to be reckoned with and I'm very fortunate to call her a dear friend. Holly and I tried to focus the conversation on the art of winning international business, but as you'll hear, Holly has a no-nonsense approach to screening clients to find the most productive relationships with both parties, and that forms a large part of what we discuss. As the Design Hungry website states, brand design isn't something we do for you, it's something we do with you. Holly's unique approach has resulted in some of the strongest client relationships that I've heard an agency collective describe. This episode is worth a listen if you're wondering how to go remote permanently, grow your international business, and only work on the projects you're most enthused about. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. So hi, Holly. Hi. (laughs) We are uh, two people under a makeshift studio, which is basically a duvet under some photographic studio equipment. So professional. (laughs) It's very professional. It's pretty warm in here. Um, But we're really lucky to be in the same location for four days only. For the first time in a long time. First time in a year or so Mm -hmm. or more. Holly has been living in Singapore until... um, recently and now she's on her way to another continent um so we're two best buds who are finally in the same room so you wanted to take the opportunity to have a chat um because holly's doing amazing things in her business and uh i want to find out more about how that's working because some of it is related to questions that come up a lot when i'm speaking to clients about how to work remotely how to work with international clients without the distance being a barrier. So without further ado, 
can we get stuck into the first question which is holly when did you feel brave enough to say that you aren't in any particular location i know on your website it says and i've got to get this the right way around we're everywhere so you can be anywhere that's right the right way around <laughs> um i think that working in asia you've often got clients kind of all over asia and it, it was never an issue to have to meet in a boardroom um and so being anywhere i think if you've got the right client they understand that that, that you can just use zoom or the new favorite uh, video conference and and it all works out and i've never ever had an issue with that and so i'm curious because now you've gone it alone but previous to that you were working in some of the biggest brand design agencies around um in asia alone you were working with jkr bulletproof mm-hmm. um maybe some others that i'm not aware of um, did you find that they were working with very international clients without a lot of face-to-face meetings you know is that is that just the nature of what happens in that region because clients are quite disparate and did that set the precedent for you starting your own business in doing something similar um i found it a lot more in asia than in london that people well agencies work with more international audiences um i i don't know if that's right from other people's perspectives but that's what i found um and i think often you get to go to india or australia or you know um and go and meet the client and kind of immerse yourself a little more um a little more than what i do currently so i think a really crucial question that comes up when people are thinking about how they work with clients internationally and in different time zones is how do you manage time differences i mean personally to schedule meetings which is my most hated to and fro on email (laughs) is um sharing a calendly link where people can view what times are available in my diary and their diary in their time zone rather than have to go to and fro are there any kind of tips you've got about working in different time zones do you find you have to extend your hours at the beginning and the end of the day Uh, what what tools do you use what tips do you have Hol? well world clock app is my best friend um and i think i'm very mindful of other people's time zones and working from you know 8 a.m to 6 p.m and i don't really want to go outside of other people's time zones i don't really um other people's working day rather but i don't really mind going outside of my working day to fit around people like for example singapore to new york is a real yeah am i allowed to swear yeah bitch um (laughs) (laughs) um but the world clock app has just changed me counting on my fingers as to uh where the next person is um so what was the time difference between new york where i know a lot of your clients are based um and singapore is that a full 12 hours yeah it's whoa so yeah it's, it's quite a nightmare especially when you're working with someone who's not in one of those places so mm. yeah then you've got to factor in another plus three yeah um yeah because that intermediate might be in new york but their client exactly client might be in another location yeah and so then do you find that you need to be on the phone a lot on skype do you need do you find it needs to be 
like visual or audio or do you find that email plays a bigger role when you're literally sleeping while they're or not <laughs> while they're working I think more often than not time zone works in my favor um and I and I really try to use that in my favor so um client I'm working with at the moment is currently sleeping I have done all of the work and when he wakes up up. yeah um I mean I think if you if you manage it well you can be very clever with it Um, and actually that basically fast forwards a project so in terms exactly you are revenue that's huge because you've just halved the length of the project yeah and you're working for the full 24 hours a day which is yeah, between Things. the two of you, yeah. not you. Yeah. By the way, she looks great. Yeah. She doesn't look like she's about to out. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do not uh, work twenty four hours a day. That's for sure. No. <laughs> do you find that this cross time zone client relationship works best when it's not a brand new client, when it's a client that you're getting organic business from? I think I've always found it extremely important to have a relationship with a client, which I found very difficult in agency because a lot of the time the designers are kind of behind the closed door and there's a middleman. And I think not having that middleman and dealing with a client myself um, really helps with a relationship. And rather than having meetings in boardrooms, we go out for drinks and we become friends and therefore you get a lot more um, projects um, and and clients kind of pass you on because not only are you doing great work, but they kind of want to help you out as well as as much as you're helping them out then. Um, And I think setting boundaries is such a, is such a big thing. I think if you go on to our design hungry website you can tell the kind of people that we are um and therefore those are the kinds of clients that tend to come to us it's Mm. it's a no bullshit situation and you know it's it's very streamlined and yes we do go out for a drink and yes we do get drunk with a client and and that's okay because we're all just people at the end of the day which I think a lot of the time people really forget when it comes to a bit more of a corporate world rather than suits and ties and then the creatives on the opposite side of a very long boardroom table which kills me (laughs) (laughs) okay so on the theme of um working with those clients internationally apart from the time zone challenges uh what are the biggest challenges that you find is there anything else that's tricky to navigate i don't want to sound like a bit of an ass but i've not had (laughs) any problems yet um not with any of the strategists i work with not with any of the clients i've worked with um it doesn't really get in the way i think because we're all so conscious about the time zones and about making everything work um very smoothly because you know like I said it's with design hungry it's no bullshit I want to make life as easy as possible I don't want to have to do a million rounds of this and extra bits of that people come to me because it is you know it's fast paced and and they get something that they're really happy with Mm. um rather than going through rounds and rounds of routes and you know stages yeah Yeah. um I do think that having worked in London where I I guess I didn't really have any international clients as such um and then moving to Asia and kind of being dropped in the deep end and Mm. understanding that you know there are a lot of international or I had a lot of international clients there whilst working in an agency you you kind of um get used to 
for I was saying difference or, or whatever yeah, it is. But, yeah. um, but now I guess I'm so mindful of it that it doesn't really, it's not a thing. It's just like brushing your teeth in the morning. I, I, I know it's there. Yeah. So I just want to touch on something there because just to acknowledge Holly turned 32 and a half weeks ago. Yes. Um, and which seems very young um, to be a very successful business owner, but Holly's doing exceptionally well. And I saw a massive leap as a friend in terms of her confidence about her career, her ability, her ways of working when she moved from London to Singapore and via a couple of other places, actually. And I'm just curious to understand a bit more about why things accelerated for you so much at that point. Do you find there's a different way of working in Asian agencies, um, the exposure you have directly to the client, your ability to be able to talk about your roots a bit more confidently, maybe a difference in hierarchy where you feel like you can not answer back, but challenge um, creative direction from on high a bit more? Yeah, I think in London like I touched on earlier the designers are held you know they're, they're behind a door um and you don't get as much exposure and it is I guess harder to climb a ladder but in Asia you really are thrown in the deep end I think teaching over there is very different to what we experience in the UK and and you have to follow a certain set of rules because the designers there are learning to think outside of the box, whereas we already do that in the UK. Um, mm. You, When you do go well to Singapore, um, you find that, I guess, the ideas that you're having almost scare some of the, the designers there, and, and then they kind of look to you for inspiration, Um which is both amazing um, and a little scary at the same time, but it does help you kind of jump through hoops and, um, you know, being getting taken to meetings when you're just a middleweight designer where that doesn't happen as often, or, or in my experience in London, in the bigger agencies. Um, and I think it is detrimental to your career mm. to be put in front of clients, to be you know, to be able to have the conversations. These are people. I think that's what bugs me, I guess, a lot. So you think that it's seen as detrimental to the designer to be put in that situation, but you think it's a massive advantage Absolutely. to the designer. Yeah. And I think it's worth saying as well that a lot of the London agents, the bigger London agencies that I've come across, they do, you refer to it as keeping the designers behind closed doors. And I don't think that's about them being scared about how they're going to behave around the client necessarily, which sounds like you're going to, like a rabid dog. <laughs> no, um, not at all. But, but it's to do with protecting the creative work and making sure that it's not being overly influenced by the client in any way, because as we know, design by committee never ends in wonderful results. Exactly. And there's a reason they're paying that agency, but there's a fine line at which it's also detrimental to the designer to be behind those closed doors. Yeah, and I, I guess um, taking criticism constructively is not something everyone can do. Mm, and yeah. I think protecting, you know, your junior designers because we don't want to hurt their feelings, I get to some extent. But in another way, I'm kind of like, you just, you've got to grow that backbone. And if, if, an, if a client, yeah, you don't, and if a client yeah. doesn't like something, that's okay. They just don't like something. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. And I think we 
take a like a lot to heart. Um, yeah. Whereas I think if if you are put in front of the client from the get go, um, that's part of the job rather yeah. than something that you're fearing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I just think it's so important. And I really love what you said about you know at the end of the day we're all just humans. I think not just design team, but the client gets put on such a pedestal. And yes, they're the budget holder, but they're also an employee generally, um, if they're at a bigger firm and not a founder owner. Um, and so they've got a job too. And, you know, I think that them being able to have a frank conversation and being able to lean on the agency and feel like they've got friends um, exactly is actually can result in a better relationship, which means better work, which means more commercially successful work. So there doesn't seem to be a downside to forging stronger I agree. Connections. And I don't I th- want to say friendships totally. Yeah, but- not so much friendships, but I think, you know, with the bigger conglomerates, I understand that there's a set way to do things. Um, but if if you are okay to just take that client out and have that glass of wine, then things become a lot easier. And having the conversations if a client doesn't like something, okay, cool. And then we move on from there and we make it better. And um, I think often when when you are in shirts and ties and it all gets a bit scary when someone doesn't like something or whatever it is. But it's so funny. The sartorial choices can completely shift absolutely. the direction of a meeting yeah. and the resulting work that happens after that, which is quite scary, actually, isn't it? Yeah, and it's kind of like... Um, that teacher they always loved in school because they were a little bit more easygoing that like mm, identifiable yeah mm. yeah hear what you're saying so getting back to design hungry and the way you run your business what do you find are the advantages saying that you're nowhere specific you know on your website in your contact section there is no physical location um what are the advantages of that being anywhere um Enables you to have this work-life balance um, that everyone talks of and nobody does. It allows me and everyone I work with to be wherever you want to be, doing whatever you want, as long as there's a deadline and everyone gets that deadline. And a lot of the time when I was working in agency, the deadline, you know, if you do finish something uh, two hours before the deadline then you master up and you do something else. And and then probably that thing that you've just done extra sometimes doesn't kind of hit the nail on the head. And I I like to have a deadline that everyone can work to. Um, And you know what? If they finish their work and it's awesome, then go on, go out, go do whatever you want. Like it's it's very, very easygoing um, as long as the deadline is met. Um, and, And we kind of set boundaries immediately you know clients know the boundaries um people i work with know the boundaries um and i think it's really important that everyone understands that you know they can do whatever they want as long as they get the work done i know that things have changed a little bit now in the times of covid but do you find that your clients have any reservations about working remotely with you no (laughs) i think (laughs) in a word (laughs) yeah in a word I think that via Design Hungry website, if if they're coming from that stream, they can see our tone of voice. They can see who we are. Mm. They're already getting in contact knowing um, 
get in a vibe of a good feel of who we are and, mm. and therefore it's not a problem. Um, and then a lot of my clients are passed on by another client, another client, and they already understand the way of working, um, you know, from their friend or someone they know in the business. Um, and so it's, it's never really an issue. And then following on from that, do you find there are any kinds of companies who haven't quite caught up with this new, more flexible, agile way of working? Um, and do you think they're at a disadvantage because of it? Yes, I think that, you know, the the likes of your Kraft Heinz, Unilever, et cetera, et cetera, haven't quite caught on to the new way of working, the smaller smaller agencies or the collectives um because unless you're kind of on that roster you don't really get a look in i've just recently uh done some work for one of those mentioned um to discover later that um because i'm not on the roster i can't do the full project even though that work was preferred to one of the bigger agencies that was on the roster and that to me is mind-blowing that they you know that they take another six months to decide who the next agency is Mm. going to be and more often than not of course they are the bigger you know the bigger international agencies um and i think who have the time and energy to dedicate to building those relationships getting on those rosters are able to speak to procurement departments possibly have contacts over many tens of years so it's like something that's off out of bounds for you and yet what i find interesting about this story is this multinational company who shall not be named actually approached you they solicited the work from you it's not like you went there with unsolicited work but then they knew they couldn't continue it because you weren't part of their roster exactly um, which just seems like they got a glimpse of what the possibilities are and yeah and i think it would benefit them from creative output which is actually one of the main things that they loved um then of course financially you know the smaller guys are usually a little bit cheaper than those the bigger guys uh, yeah and then time um you know when you're smaller and you're only taking on x amount of jobs versus uh, the bigger agencies who are taking on a lot and perhaps sometimes the right people aren't working on the right things you know when you're smaller you take on a lot less but i guess you work really hard like really hard and you care a lot um which i'm not saying for one second that the bigger agencies don't care um i just think that they could probably do with you know looking at um the new normal yeah i found a couple of my clients who i've recently worked with on my pitch perfect consulting product which basically helps them get through a pitch have then lost out on the pitch because a local agency has won the project, an agency local to that particular brand, which is really frustrating because they've been approached to pitch for a project with that client already knowing where they're physically located. Do you find that there are any commonalities with the kind of clients you work with who are comfortable with working internationally, remotely, never meeting you face-to-face, um, so they can understand what kind of clients they should be going after, basically. 
a lot of startups who have been invested in um, are a great place to start because they they really believe in in you as a collective or agency um and i think then they're not really set on you know where are you in the world and you know can can i see your face i think zoom is such a great tool and also i'm i probably don't sound it on this podcast but i am ridiculously animated when i do present (laughs) and you know i like to get a laugh and i like to go a little bit over top probably a little bit too over the top um but then people kind of remember that that pitch or that presentation um and i think it goes back to that being comfortable and not being scared because i think the thing is in the couple of agencies i'm talking about they have a physical studio location mm-hmm. um and it's only maybe 150 miles away from where the client was it's like how how is that a big deal i think it's a train ride away it's two hours it's exactly perpetual zoom meetings but some people are just so stuck in their ways that they're not able to flex out of that and to their disadvantage and and i guess that's the problem like for them it is always going to be a problem so Mm. i think you know cutting ties where you need to cut ties and not taking that job because it's not the right job yeah Um, even if you're offered it yeah exactly because you already have a taster that they if they suggest that you're going to need to physically be present for meetings that not going to be a good use of your time or their budget exactly um so what you mentioned was about startups and you know having worked with a couple of tech startups in the past i know that often the teams are very remotely located the investments normally coming from somewhere completely different so they're a little bit more up to speed with that way of working and all those other words around it agile and using the time differences to their advantage etc um obviously that kind of came from tech do you find that more startups are behaving in that way even if they don't have tech at the heart of what they do yeah i think so we're kind of you know in this new world at the moment especially because of the pandemic um where people are realizing that they don't need to be sat next to that person to do that thing um and i think a lot of companies are moving in this way i just wish the bigger companies would would consider this Mm. I think when we've had conversations about it, from my understanding, the main way that your business has grown is through referrals. Um, And aside from you being a brilliant designer and them appreciating your work, what else is it about the way that you work that, or the way you present that you think makes them want to refer you on to their colleagues, partners, clients, in the case of strategists? I think... um there's quite a few factors to this i think flexibility is a huge thing um and i think time is massive i think a lot of people i work with have worked with an agency um a nine-to-five kind of agency and having to go in and and do the kind of boardroom meeting and then go through the next round and wait you know two weeks for that is is a problem um for them but i've you know i'm able to do things a little quicker um because at design hungry we we work with a lot of different people all over the world and like i've touched on before we're kind of working 24 hours um 
because we're working different time zones. Um, and so that helps a lot with with clients. I think understanding how much they can fit into the weeks. Um, also, I think financially is another big thing, of course, for them. Um, I'm, I mean, Design Hungary is almost like between your freelancer and then your agency. And I think going with just a freelancer is sometimes scary because they don't have um, the strategist. They don't have, you know, all the other little bits that kind of help the creative, like get pushed along. Um, and and we're able to do that. And so, yeah, I think, I think there are quite a few factors to this. Um, mm. But certainly, would you agree that referrals are the easiest and best way to get, grow your business because you're not having to do as much active new business yourself and you're just responding to inquiries and also those people already kind of understand what you're about because somebody they trust has yeah enlightened them as to how you work and what your assets are and yeah I think we've been very lucky with referrals um and also you know having worked in agency world for you know 10 years having those kind of connections all over the world who are now doing the yeah. you know jumping ship and doing yeah. it themselves um design hungry has a ton of contacts um and i think like we're super lucky in that respect that that we can just call on someone and, and be like hey do you want to spend you know four days on this project and i think clients really appreciate the just the flexibility and, and how we're able to navigate our way around things Hello again. I'm going to take a good guess that you're tuning in because you want to grow your agency to the next level. So I want to let you know about the caffeine free five day mini course. In this fantastic training, you'll get an email a day for five days, jam packed full of simple strategies that'll give you the courage and confidence to grow your business. Just go to caffeine.club. That's K-A-F-F-E-N.club and hit get started to get access. Why is it free? I hear you ask. Well, I work in a very niche niche and I find this mini course helps people better understand where I can add value, support their business and to see just how much action I can pack into a short amount of time together. So in the meantime, until we do work together, it's a hell of a lot of bang for zero bucks and I urge you to check it out at caffeine.club. That's K-A-F-F-E-N.club and hit get started to grab your course. Thanks for listening. I was going to ask, one of the things that I'm always really curious about, um, because I advise doing it, I haven't actually done it that much myself, which is weird for me, because normally when I advise something, I know it works for me um, first before I advise it to a client. Um, but do you ever identify a business that you'd really love to work with and then find somebody who is um, a a midway connection between you and that business and ask for an introduction in or do you wait for introductions with design I guess it's a little different I see Mm. a product on the shelf or um I I think it was last year I was in New Zealand and I there was a woman packing wine here I go again about alcohol um (laughs) 
uh, a lady was packing wine into these beautiful wooden um, kind of little pouches and they weren't using any plastic. And I asked the lady who these were from and, and she put me in touch with the man. And I was like, why the hell haven't you got a brand on these? These are excellent. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of how I go about things. I just find the contact. I, you know, I pick mm. something up off the shelf and I'm like, you know what? I love this. Um, yeah. and, and I want to design it. Yeah. Um, and, and I kind of encourage that with the people design hungry work with, um, and you know, when they see something that they want to work with, then we'll try and get in touch. And then just a question on that. Cause I find a lot of creative people feel quite uncomfortable doing this, making unsolicited, outreach a cold email called introduction call whatever um to something that they know they can add value to um what makes you comfortable to do that is it just your personality or is it that you're so confident that you can add value um that it's only going to be beneficial for them to understand why i'm putting words in your mouth but <laughs> hear what you think about that no i think for me it's remembering that everyone is the same and nobody is higher than the other and we're all mm. we're all cut from the same cloth and you know if if this person is the ceo of x y and z then that doesn't make them any different we're still both humans and mm. we're both I'll on this so. world and you know what you've probably got something in common and i think people think oh my gosh no they they're so they're so different. They're, you know, um, so much higher than me or, you know, I love them so much. Um, and you know, the whole thing, like don't meet your heroes, but, but you've probably got something in common and you probably both hate broccoli. Like, you know, (laughs) it's just (laughs) something, if you can find that commonality, um, I just think you're onto a winner. And if you can make the person laugh, I also think you're onto a winner. Um, so really for you, it's about being personable. Yeah, um, all the time. And not being humble about your role versus their role and them then feeling more powerful. Um, mm. If you can make a connection with them on a human level, then they're more likely to listen to what you have to offer. Yeah, and I think, you know, telling someone that they could be better, um, you know, a lot of people don't like to hear that. But mm. if you're doing it in the right way and you're not, you know, just going gun ho with something, yeah. um, and you do have that relationship, and you really try. You really like. You really want to be a part of of that company. Yeah. You know, a lot of the companies we work with, we really are invested in, um, and we really believe in the product. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a that is a big deal because I think sometimes if you don't believe in the thing that you're designing, then it, yeah kind of doesn't maybe go as well as somebody who was passionate about coffee about you know wooden children's toys or so on so forth so therefore by choosing your own clients and approaching them directly you're deliberately picking people who you do feel passionate about yeah and you want to sell that thing and you you want to make it the best on the shelf you want people to be picking Mm -hmm. that up because you're as invested as as they are and i mean it's their baby and yeah. you know design hungry is my baby and i i want to help them yeah um yeah 
succeed I guess yeah absolutely so they get a sense of what an amazing partner you will be because they can sense your passion about this and it makes that introduction much more easy I think absolutely I really want to say at this point that one of the things I most admire about Holly um and there's six years difference between us and we've been friends for a long time time. (laughs) pretty old um (laughs) and I've always been so in awe of her confidence and ability to speak ability to be articulate and approachable regardless of who she's speaking to um and not be in awe of people I think you just you really do walk what you talk you know you you really um are personable and just human (laughs) and uh it doesn't matter who you're speaking to you always sound the same I know myself and it's one of the things I'm most conscious about is when I'm speaking to somebody who I've got a lot of respect for or um I really want to work with them or maybe I'm a little bit nervous I throw in loads of jargon into a conversation that I wouldn't ordinarily use and I hate it I'm like this isn't me um when I'm really passionate my Yorkshire accent comes out and that can scare <laughs> so it does. people off <laughs> uh, and I love that you are what you are and you don't try and change your accent or your vocabulary <laughs> I'm clearly not here. my um, f's and b's you mean yeah and um, whatever you whatever drink you have in hand you know that goes regardless of who you're speaking to so I think there's a lesson for me to be to learn um from that and probably a lot of people other people in this listen to this podcast too Thank you. One of the problems I see my clients having is that they work so hard to get the phone to ring and then it'll start ringing um, with new business inquiries, but they find they're wasting a lot of time not being able to shut down conversations with people who don't understand the kind of work that they do, the kind of design, creative approach, don't have the right budget, um, basically just not a good fit. And then they might spend an hour, gosh, maybe more, um, heaven forbid, they then spend two hours doing a proposal and sending it out to them on top of the phone call, even though they know they don't want to work together. I know that you're different in this approach. You seem to be able to identify who's a good fit for you and shut down those conversations with those who aren't soon and in a polite way. Have you got any tips on how to do that, how to recognise it and how to how to get rid of people who aren't the right fit? I think this is like, you know, when you walk into that house that you're trying to rent and you're going around walking into different houses and then you get that feeling and everyone knows what I'm talking about. And I think it's the same with clients. If you have a long conversation, which I like to do, I like to introduce myself and I like to get to know everything about a new client. Um, And, you know, we do have a good old chin wag and we can tell if we are the right fit for each other before we go on ahead and create proposals. Um, And I think it's super important to just get that vibe from someone. Mm. Um, Actually, I think it's essential. And if if the job is right for you, is that something that you really want to be doing? Um, Likewise, you know, for the client, do they actually want to work with someone who's, I guess, as boisterous or whatever as the company? So I, for me, one of the ways around this is by actively doing new business, targeting people deliberately. And we just touched on that in one of our last questions. Um, but being really deliberate about it rather than waiting for the phone to ring um, and doing general profile raising work 
which means that anybody could be seeing that, anybody could be getting in contact. If you're deliberately going out there and identifying people and then approaching them, people you actually want to work with, then you're going to be spending a lot of your new business marketing time having conversations that you find valuable. Um, I think some people, agencies, whoever, take on work um, because they see the dollar signs. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's not right. It doesn't keep people happy. And if it's not a right fit for your team, then, you know, morale drops and, you know, people are leaving and nobody wants that. And I think dollar signs are not always the be all and end all just because you've chased uh, for new business. It does Money doesn't... Well, it does make you happy, but it doesn't make you happy. But Sometimes it's obviously really important to keep the lights on by making money and taking whatever project's coming in at that moment if things are scarce. But I think what we're talking about and what we've seen in the past is when a project is taken on that might not be the right fit, but pays well. And then what are the implications on that, on your agency of that, that end up costing you more in the long term? i.e. a bunch of people really hate the work, they leave, you have to hire again because everybody knows it's not free to hire somebody. It's a big expense to go through that process, time and money. Um, and also you may have then spent a year on a project that's really well paid, but you don't actually want to share it with anybody, which makes it look like you haven't done anything for that entire year. <laughs> I think that is a huge factor for Design Hungry. We really want to share all of our work. Um, and... I mean, nobody wants to put something in their portfolio that they're not proud of. And I think, like, I'm all for only presenting the routes that you honestly, wholeheartedly believe that are right for the brand. And I know that people don't do that. And I think it mm. is, it's so essential because mm. in the long run, I mean, if, if you're then marketing yourself, you know, be it on social media or, you know, in, in the bigger, wider world, and somebody picks up on something that you're not happy with, something that's gone out that you're not happy with, they'll then come to you for that kind of work. Mm. And that is absolutely not where we're at. And, yeah. that, and, and I think it, it's so important to be showing off the work that you want to get back. And then we've had a few clients come through Instagram, which is crazy to me. I, I didn't think that would ever happen. It was just kind of... Um, me neither. I really want to yeah, delve into that. Yeah, just time. kind <laughs> of like a little portfolio for for the brand. But, um, you know, people are seeing the work on there and they're like, I want something just like that. Mm. Um, you know, they've seen something that they really like and then they, they come to us and it's because of that piece of work. So if you're putting out stuff that you don't like, yeah. then pre be prepared to get it back. Yeah. And to that point, you know, how to, my, to answer my own question, <laughs> how do you identify and get rid of people sooner if it's time waster, just to put it really bluntly? I think that your appearance online and what you're putting out into the world and what you're saying about yourself and having a really clear tone of voice and showing the projects that you want to win the likes of again, it's really important because people will see what they identify with and they will already make a decision about whether you're a good fit for them. If you're really vanilla and bland and just an agency and just saying the same thing as everybody else, then you're more likely to get approaches that aren't the right fit for you. What I really see with Design Hungry is, as the um, founder, I hear a lot of your tone of voice and your no-nonsense approach coming through. Um, I get a really strong understanding from the website of how much people love working with you. I mean, I've never seen such enthusiastic... 
um, adject and sometimes swear word filled um, recommendations, uh, quotes from your clients who are clearly enthused about having worked with you. Um, and I think that that helps to filter those people out too. I think hate the whole kind of stand for something storytelling like there's a whole bunch of words out there that can be said and don't mean very much but you I think just letting your personality ooze through um so that people already know whether you're the kind of agency they want to be working with um also helps that process yeah I think you know I've been told a lot of times um that I should probably take the word shit or whatever off the website um just by people who don't think that it's perhaps professional. I mean, like, I'm talking... As in clients you don't want to work with? No, I'm talking, like, friends who think it's probably not good. Um, Your mum? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then I think when your clients are saying things like, I could slap that badass bitch in the face, I'm so happy with the work, that's the kind of people I want to be working with, you know? So, um... Yeah, I think just really oozing who you are. And not knowing that you're not for everybody and being cool. And with that, that's confident. so cool. Like, I don't, you know, I personally don't want to design something that has butterflies on it. And that's okay because the next person might be. And I think just being okay with what you produce. Um, Holly, thank you so much for spending your time under this duvet with me. Gosh, I sound like Paul Yates <laughs> in the Big Breakfast House meeting Michael Hutchins. Um, it's very hot under here. My hair is static and stood up on end. Holly has taken a very fetching photo, which I'll try and accompany this podcast with. Um, but it really is wonderful to be able to talk to you face to face because Holly and I have um, a regularly scheduled meeting in the diary every two weeks what's it called move your ass chat monday move your ass chat monday and we hasn't happened much during the pandemic because of my toddler um but it's wonderful just to be able to have um somebody who i know i can have a really frank conversation with and i learn from it because i think for myself working solo um and for people who work in an agency that might not be very big and so they feel like they're spending a lot of time on their own i think it's really important to have somebody that you know you can trust and you can know you can chew the fat with and know that you're on the same page uh, rather than feeling really isolated and spending too long thinking about it and the opportunity to be able to do this in person and to be able to talk through some of those challenges um, particularly under the lens of what my clients are facing it's just been an absolute pleasure and I'm glad we got to do it before you moved to Canada I know there is no one in the world I would rather be stuck under a dope <laughs> don't tell me <laughs> brilliant well thank you so much Holly and hopefully we'll get to do it again thank soon. you so here's where we're going to call it quits for today you've been listening to Caffeine Espresso with me Charlotte tell us more diary join me again in a couple of weeks for more actionable tips on how to make growing your agency feel more achievable and less like a job that keeps getting pushed off the to-do list if you like what you heard please do subscribe on spotify so you can enjoy more episodes out every other monday and if you can't wait till then head to caffeine.club where you'll find a growing wealth of free resources and advice to help you grow your design business Thanks for the taking the time out of your busy day to listen in. And until next time, keep at it.
because if there is something I know for sure, it's that the world needs more creative problem solvers just like you. Just before we wrap up, I want to touch on a crucial opportunity for your agency's growth. As a creative agency, your primary focus should be on delivering exceptional work, not getting bogged down in sales and marketing. And that's where Leadflow Sprint comes in. It's an eight-week program designed to streamline your lead generation process, bringing in a steady flow of potential clients to you. No more struggling with the ups and downs of trying to gain the attention of new business. Our program includes hands-on support, including direct input on your copywriting, ensuring a bespoke approach to your lead generation needs. No more feeling stuck in the feast or famine cycle. Our real-time support, including direct feedback on tasks like copywriting, helps you to bid farewell to inconsistently and embrace a lead generation system that's tailored to your unique needs. Visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra.